Okay, the scripture says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is, not, is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We ask you, God, to put deep-rooted convictions in our hearts and our minds and our spirits today as we study the word of God, Lord. Dear God, we trust you today, God, to give us the strength, Lord God, and give us understanding and revelation according to your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Let's just look at this briefly for a moment. The Bible says in verse 6, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Okay, so what does it mean to be carnally minded? It means that we are led by our, our senses. We are led by our senses, five senses. I'm going to show you on this transparency. <clears throat> Basically what that is when he says to be carnally minded. Hopefully everybody can see that. But the five senses are the, the sight, smell, hearing, taste, and touch. And to be led by your five senses, by your... Uh, your feelings, your emotions, and what your five senses tell you is to be carnally minded. That means whatever you feel in your emotions or in your sense realm, that's what controls your life. That is the master of your life. So you let that, you know, anything that's a master is going to control you. So this is what he's talking about. To be carnally minded is to have the carnal mind is your master, the one that is leading you through life. And that's to be led by what only what you see. Because see, we are in an invisible kingdom. We are filled with the Spirit of God inside of us. And it's all invisible. And we have to walk by faith in the things of God. But the material world, the, material world, the physical world, is things that you can tangibly get a hold of. And uh, this is what he's talking about when you walk by the carnal. You only walk by what you see. You don't walk by faith in the Spirit. So there's sight, smell, hearing, taste, and touch. So he said to be carnally minded is death. If you only walk after what your senses tell you, it's going to produce death in your life. Then he says, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Okay, so we choose what direction we're going to go. We choose our master. We choose to either be led by the carnal mind or we choose to be controlled by the Spirit of God. It's a choice that we make. And we make that choice and we show that choice by our priorities. Okay? Now, if we are walking after the things of the Spirit, then the Spirit is going to be the priority in our life. What pleases God? Okay, some of those things 
that will show where your priority is, the biblical evidence that you are walking in the Spirit, is obedience to the Word of God. Amen. So if you walk in obedience to the Word and you've got a hunger for the Word of God, then that, that is a priority that you are going to focus on in your life that will cause you to walk in the Spirit. Church attendance is something that's very important. It shows a priority in your life. If, if you are, your priority is the things of the Spirit, you will be in church because you have a hunger for spiritual things. If your priority is the things of the world, then you won't hardly ever be in church because somewhere, somehow, this world will creep, creep in and it will be the priority in your life. So that uh, church attendance is a measurement of your spiritual walk because it, it shows your priorities. Uh, prayer is also showing a priority in your life. If you have a prayer life, then you are hungry for spiritual things. If you don't have a prayer life, then you're not hungry for the things of the Spirit, but you are being led by your senses. How could you be led by the Spirit if you do not communicate with the Spirit? Okay, so you must have a prayer life in order to be walking in the Spirit because then you're being led by God. If you don't have a prayer life, and I don't have a prayer life, that means I'm letting the flesh tell me everything, my emotions. And your emotions are, are you just cannot base your walk with God and your experience on what you are feeling. There are times when you are going to feel as lost as you can possibly be. Your emotions will confuse you, deceive you. I'm we, you cannot go by the feelings of the flesh, so that's why you need to pray. And we'll talk about that as we get further in the book of in the eighth chapter here. Another priority in your life is, you know, is where is your service for God? If if you are serving God and you're com totally committed to God, well, then that shows that your your priorities for spiritual things. Uh, uh, one of the major ways of showing priorities in your life concerning the things of God is do you give of your finances? What do you do with your money? The Word of God tells us Jesus taught more on money than He did on anything else. And so that way He said that where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. And if your treasure is only in the things of this world, then that's a priority indicator. But if you give into the kingdom of God, if we give into the kingdom of God, then that's a sacrifice. And you're only going to sacrifice to something that is a priority in your life. So giving is a measurement of, of where you are. Our attitudes, our lifestyle, what we do uh, in our lives, recreation-wise, what we do in our appearance, how we appear, how we live, how we dress. They're not, it's not, we're not dressing holy because we're trying to work our way to heaven. We are dressing holy because we are demonstrating to the world that we've got a priority in our life. All of those things are priority indicators. And if you dress like the world, then your priorities are like the world. But if you let dress godly, then you have prior, godly priorities. So all of those are indicators in your life as to where your priority is. Your time. Where your time is, how it's spent, all of that, they're indicators as to whether or not we are led by the spirit man or led by the carnal man. Now, you, we choose, amen? You chose to come to church this morning, you know? Praise God. I didn't go knock on your door this morning and say, get up and come to church. You chose to come to church, right? That shows a priority in your life, whether you understand that or not.
when you stay home uh, and don't come to church, whether you realize it or not, you are demonstrating what is a priority in your life. That's the truth, okay? But you choose your master. I choose my master. I choose to either be carnally minded or I choose to be spiritually minded. I choose it. See, God doesn't overpower you and say you're going to be spiritually minded. You choose, you yield yourself to saying, God, I'm going to put my priorities right and I'm going to be spiritual and not carnal. Now, come here, Chad, if you would help me, please. Everybody's got a master. I've got a master. You've got a master today. Everybody has one. And it's either the carnal man or it's the spirit, the spiritual things of God. You know, a lot of people, they want deliverance. They want to be delivered from this and they want to be delivered from that. But let me explain something to you. If, if Chad, if I, if I put my arm around Chad like this right here, let's, we're going to make him the, the bad guy here this morning. <laughs> if he's the enemy, right? He's the, let's, let's, if he's the enemy, he represents the enemy, the carnal mind, the carnal man, uh, the desires of the flesh. Let's even go so far as to say the devil. Okay, if I want the devil in my life and I want the carnal man to control me, there is no preacher in this world that can deliver you from him. There's no church that has enough power of God in it to lay hands on you to set you free from the devil if you've got your arm around him and you're holding him. And you're dancing with him. Do you follow me? You have got to want to be rid of him. Thank you, Chad. You got to push him away. And you got to push the flesh away and say, I don't want you. There's no man that can come and pray, lay hands on you and, be, and deliver you from your flesh. And there's no man that can lay hands on you to be delivered from an evil spirit if you want that spirit in your life. And people can come and we can pray for them and they can get the power of God fall on them and they can be delivered of certain things in their life. But then as soon as they go back and sit down in their chair, they take the same thing back up. They pull him, pull him. Hey, come on, come back over here. Come sit beside me. I'm not letting you go. Well, what good has it done for us to pray deliverance over that person when all they've done is gone back and grabbed a hold of what they were delivered from? That's the problem, you see. And you have a choice today as to whether or not you're going to put your arm around the master of, of carnality and flesh and the devil and hold on to him, or you're going to go after the things of the Spirit. Hallelujah. So I'm going to step on a few of our toes this morning. Praise God. So we look here and we see that the carnal man, listen, he's talking to believers here, okay? Let's first of all get that clear. He's talking to born-again believers. He's not talking to the unregenerate person out in the world. He's talking to you and me. And he says to be carnally minded is death. No wonder so many people are dying in the churches today. They're leaving God. They're dying in their spiritual walk. And why are they dying? Because they have yielded their lives to the flesh. They're not walking the ways of God. They're walking the ways of the flesh and the ways of the world. So now they're dying. They wonder, what's going on? And they want to come to church and they want a resurrection. 
and then they want to go back out in the world and live in the world and, and then they die again. They want to come back to church and get a resurrection. It doesn't work that way. To be carnally minded is death. You're going to die if you walk in the flesh. Listen, I'm going to die if I walk in the flesh. I, there's nobody that, sh that can say that you're exempt from the battle. I am not exempt from the battle of, of the flesh wanting to dominate and control my life. It constantly is trying to suppress the ways of God and the ways of the Spirit. Constantly battling. Are you with me so far? Nobody's exempt from this. But it's who I choose to let be, be my master that will determine my end result. So if I choose, I can choose to be carnal. And it'll end up in death. Remember, this is believers. So there's no such thing as once saved, always saved. If you start walking in the flesh again and stop walking in the Spirit, you're going to die. That's what God's Word says. Doesn't matter who you are, God's no respecter of persons. Do you understand this? But sometimes we think because we're the children of God, we act like Israel. And oh, we're the covenant people and we've received the oracles of God and, you know, and we're called by His name. And so therefore we can do what we want to do and live the way we want to live and think that we're exempt from its results. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches to be carnally minded is death. You've got to hear me. And nobody wants to die. You don't want to die, do you? I don't want to die. I mean, who wants to die and go to hell? Anybody in this church want to die and go to hell? You know what you got to do to go to hell? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing to die and be lost. All you, all, you just have to go in the natural way and live the, the way of the flesh. And you'll find yourself in that place. That's all you have to do. It only takes one snake bite to kill you. It only takes one match to burn a whole forest down. It only takes one sin to destroy you. Do you believe that? I read a story not too long ago about a woman. She went and got some water out of a, a water dispenser. Turn the water, you know, open the spigot up. The water came flowing into the cup. She didn't know it, but there was a spider in there. And that little spider rolled up so tightly like a little pea. You couldn't even hardly see the spider. In fact, she didn't see the spider. And so she opened the spigot, and the spider went in her cup with the water. And she, the spider was alive. And she started drinking that water, and she drank that, drank that spider right down into her stomach. And something started happening to her. She started getting sick. She uh, started swelling up like a balloon. Her face swole up. She, didn't, she was dying slowly. She didn't understand. What is the world is going on here? So she quickly went to the hospital. And they began to examine her. And they found that little spider on the inside of her had bitten her internally. And that spider was killing her. That poison had gone throughout her body. And she was swelling up and dying from a little bitty spider. So here's the problem. A lot of times we as Christians take little bitty spiders inside of us that we don't realize and understand are ultimately going to be our doom and our destruction. Okay. 
So we've got to be care we have to be very careful and on guard at all times, all right? You with me so far? I read an account of a lady who went to church one time, and this minister was in the church, and she, he saw in vision form, he saw in this lady, this lady was a beautiful young lady. She went to his church, and the Lord showed him in the spirit a little bitty dark place in her life. In her mind, began in her mind, a little dark place in her mind. And then pretty soon he saw that that darkness, little place in her mind, began to move throughout her whole life. That's what he saw in the Spirit. Well, not too much longer after that, because of her beauty and her appeal in, the, in, a, in, a, parent, in a physical way, she got involved in uh, modeling. And they started snapping pictures of her, and she started modeling her body and everything, you know. And pretty soon, she became famous as a model, and she completely forgot God. But all it took was just a little thought in her mind that was placed there by the devil that told her, Oh, you're so beautiful. Why don't you go into the modeling field? And before she knew it, gradually, she got in the modeling field and completely walked away from God. You see how subtle the enemy is? It can be anything in your life that comes there to replace God. Priority. What is our priorities? And that little thing, if we yield to it, that little spider can destroy us. Hmm. So that's what he's saying. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Amen? Look at this. These are all gates. You have an eye gate, you have an ear gate, you have a mouth gate, you have a nose gate, you have a touch gate. The five senses are gates, and they go into the soul, the part of you that I can't see, the part of me that you cannot see. When I look at things with my eyes, it goes into the imagination, and that's what the soul is part of, imagination. And so I, what I see with my eyes affects what my imagination feeds on it goes into my mind into my conscience it's the the eye gate is the eye into the soul so what i allow my eye to see affects my mind it affects my soul praise the lord and if i let my let my eye feast on fleshly sinful things that Jesus said if my eye be dark then my whole being is dark because the eye is the light of the soul so I can't just look at something and then think it's not affecting my soul because it does it's a gate into a deeper area of me the smell gate when you smell something what do you smell things for what do I smell things for? To determine if it's good or bad. Amen? You know, if I smell something, it smells so good. I, I, don't, I like to eat that, right? But I can smell something and know, man, that's putrefying. That's nasty. I'm not taking that into me. That's the nose gate. And the nose gate corresponds with my conscience. And my conscience is what on the inside of me that says what's that's bad that's right and that's wrong it, it's the smell or your conscience is the smell that says who that's that's okay and who that's bad now listen to me what we allow 
in our conscience mind, bad or good, goes into your subconscious and you never forget it. First of all, you have it in your conscious mind. You, you hear something or you, uh, you see something and you become consciously aware of it. But have you ever noticed when you've ever seen something how days on unending days, you, this thing keeps coming back to you and you keep... That's your, it's, it's a, like a, your con, subconscious is like a bucket that's receiving everything that, you're, that, you, that goes through these gates here. And if you let the bad go in your conscious, then the ba bad things in your conscious are going to get in your subconscious and you're going to meditate on them continually. You're going to dream about them. Okay? The hearing gate goes through here and it's what I hear with my ears. The external, I hear it with my ears. But where does it go? It goes into my mind. It goes into my conscience. So if I hear bad things, then it's going to affect my conscience in a bad way. If I hear the Word of God, I'm going to become spiritually strong. What am I listening to today? If I listen to false doctrine, I can be deceived by it. Did you hear what I said? Oh, false doctrine is so, so deceptive. When it comes to you, it looks like it's okay. But if you listen to false doctrine and you begin to accept it in your life, then it's something that's affecting your soul. Bad or good, okay? It's moving into, and it'll be in your memory. The, ta the taste gate in the reasoning. Reasoning. Taste. What do you do? You taste things. Basically, what do you do when you taste food? It, it, you're able to distinguish between different types of tastes, right? That's what your taste is for, is so you know what, what a banana tastes like and what meat tastes like. You know the difference. Well, see, taste moves into the soul realm, and we have the, the ability to reason things out what it tastes like with me the touch gate goes into the affections and and my touch what I touch what I put my hands to you know I can show affection I can show love by my touch so it affects your affection so to summarize it all up these five gates of your body go somewhere they go into the internal part of you and if you only feed on with your five senses, the Bible says in the book of Jude, sensual things. The book of Hebrews talks about sensual things. Only being led by the senses of your body. That's all we're controlled by. Then that will bring death to you. If that's all you feed on. If that's your priority. Amen? Isn't it amazing that your senses can't get enough of something? Your senses are always want more. Hmm. So you've got to have more than that in life because it affects your imagination, your conscience, your memory, your reason, your affections. This is our body or our soul. But notice this, the things of the soul go into the things of the spirit, man. We're made up of body, soul, and spirit. And if all I do is let my soulish man control me, my mind, my will, my emotions, if that's all that controls my life,
it affects my spirit. Before you became a born-again child of God, before you got filled with the Holy Ghost, this part of you called the spirit man was like a chamber with a curtain pulled down which said it's, it's, it's dead. There was no life in your spirit man. So before you became a child of God, you led your life totally by your senses. And what your soul wanted, that's what you went after. That was before you were a child of God. Your soul wanted to go and party, so your, your, your soul took your body to party. Your soul wanted to feel good, so you went and felt good in a sinful way. Praise the Lord. Because your spirit, man... The chamber was closed. But the Holy Ghost came inside of you and regenerated your spirit. And you've got the Holy Ghost on the inside of you that's renewed your spirit. And now your spirit is alive to God. Your spirit, man, is what comes in contact with the God Almighty. And the physical body is what comes in contact with the material world. So now that I'm a born-again child of God, I am allowing God's Spirit to control my spirit, soul, and body. Or to be carnally minded is this, is that although I am a child of God, I am letting my flesh control me and not God's Spirit. Before you were a child of God, and you read the Bible, it's body, soul, and spirit. But after you, be, you and I become a child of God, it's spirit, soul, and body. But a child of God who begins to walk in the flesh can flip that back around again. And now it's body, soul, and spirit. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. And we choose today if it's spirit, soul, and then body, or body, soul, and spirit. And I choose and I prioritize my life and I live my life. If I'm spiritually minded, that means I let the Spirit is my master and I seek to grow in the Spirit. If I let the flesh control me, then I'm saying whatever you want flesh, that's what you get. Amen. The flesh says don't fast. The flesh says don't pray. The flesh says do it my way. But the Spirit says pray, fast, do it my way. The flesh says, oh, you don't need to go to church. The Spirit says, oh, you need the church. The Spirit says, forsake not the assembling of yourself as the manner of some is. So much more so as you see the day approaching. He said, don't do that. He said, that's the Spirit talking. But the flesh says, ah, I've been to church once a year. That's all I need. I went on Easter and I went on Christmas and that's all I need. Yeah, the flesh comes around and talks. Oh, you're a fanatic because you go to church, you know, two or three times a week. You're a fanatic. That's the flesh. Hmm. That's the soul. That's the flesh talking. Amen. I, you know, be honest with you. Man, there's a battle that goes on on the inside of me. When I'm praying and when I'm fasting and when I'm coming to church, every time the door's open, I'm still in a battle. So it blows my mind how people can be spiritually minded and you never see them praying and you never see them fasting and you never hardly ever see them at church. And it blows my mind. How can they be in the victory? They are not. They are not walking in the victory. They are dying on the inside. I know what a battle it is. 
Are y'all with me so far? Hmm. You cannot make it prioritizing in the flesh. You have to prioritize in the, in the spirit. And the spirit priorities, there's going to be faith in God. There's going to be hope. There's going to be reverence for the things of God. The church of God. The people of God. There's going to be prayer. And there's going to be worship. You know what blows my mind? Every time I get in the area of worship and I start preaching on worship, I get somebody in this church mad at me. Amen? When I talk about really worshiping God and not sitting on your pew like a dead Indian, a wood Indian, I get somebody mad at me. And I thought that's what we were supposed to do, was worship God and praise God and not be a dead, dry, religious stump. That's, I got out of religion, friend, there was a death and decay and no life and no power and no worship. I got out of that, and I'm not about to become Pentecostal spirit-filled and become that again. Amen? But the flesh says, don't get too loud. The flesh says, don't run. The flesh says, don't dance. Amen? But the Spirit says, worship me. So every time somebody gets mad at me about preaching on worship, I know where they're coming from. You with me? Because when you're controlled by the Spirit of God, you will be a worshiper. But brother, I, you know, I'm not like you. What do you mean you're not like me? What do you mean by that? Or I'm not like that person. They go berserk. You know, they run. They, sh they lift their hands and you run around the church and praise God out loud. I'm not like that. I'm shy and bashful. I'm not like you. You don't know me then. I'm shy. I'm bashful as I can possibly be in the flesh. I don't like upfrontness. I don't like to be seen. Uh, 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 you with me so far? So if you're like me, then come on, I'll take you by the hand and we'll run and shout. Because that's the only way to get the victory over this flesh. Your flesh says you're, you're quiet and shy and bashful and all that mess. And the Spirit says, get with it, man. That's the Spirit. So people say, well, you're judging me, brother. No, I'm not. The Word of God is. Amen. Because if I am carnally minded, there's death. And I was here the other day thinking and praying about some things. And here's what came to my mind. The Word of God says, the dead don't praise me. The dead don't praise me. Well, yeah, I know the person in the grave don't praise the Lord. That's right. But the person who's dead in the church don't praise God either. Because he said the dead don't praise him. And if you're not a praiser and a worshiper, you're dead. Huh. If I'm not a worshiper and a praiser, I know I'm dead. I need, ooh, I need reviving. Because the dead don't praise him. And this preacher can stand up and say, worship and praise the Lord and lift your voices and sing unto God and dance and run and shout. But if you're a dead person, I can scream, I can shout, I can even go and try to lift your hands for you, but your hand's going to go punk. 
If you're dead, it's just going to fall right down. Boom. You can't make a dead person do anything. They're dead in the casket. They can't get up. They can't walk. They can't talk. They can't do anything. They're dead. They're dead. They're dead. And if you come to church and you're dead, this preacher can do everything he can to try to get you to worship, but you're not going to. Because the dead won't praise the Lord. The only time you're going to praise God is when you get full of the Holy Ghost and your master is Jesus Christ. Then you're going to have life. And that life's going to, boom, be demonstrated. Life is demonstrated by breathing. When you inhale, you're letting God flow through you. When you exhale, you're praising God. You can't just inhale and say, God, come in here. You got to do some exhaling too or you're going to die. And I need to walk up to some people and check their pulse. See if their heart's still beating, man. I can't tell. Maybe we need to get some of those fibrillators. Is that what they call them when they put them on you? We need, some, we need to get some of those. That get the power of the Holy Ghost and wake you and shake you up, man. Get some electricity flowing in your body. Get your heart pumping again. Get a pulse reading in you. Because the dead don't praise Him, and to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So I can tell if a person's got life. You can tell when a person's got life. If they're breathing, inhaling, and exhaling, you've got a pulse, their heart's beating. They're not cold. <laughs> they got heat in their body. They're not cold. Jesus said, if you're lukewarm, I'll spit you right out of my mouth. He said, I would that you be cold or hot, but not lukewarm. He don't want lukewarm people. He wants people that don't fire. Because dead people are cold people. But live people are fired up and full and ready. Now, I'm not, I'm not condemning you. And I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm telling you the truth. Amen. And it has nothing to do with age. Absolutely nothing to do with age. I had a lady in my church. She's over 50 years old. She was one of the movers and shakers in the church. And everybody said, well, she just shut up and sit down. Man, the power of God started moving. She'd jump up. Woo! Woo! All of a sudden, I'd see her boom around the church. I mean, she's not thin. Got You know, she's not. She's, she's pretty heavy. But she got power of God in her. And she could outrun the young people. <laughs> so it has nothing to do with age. It has to do with where you are in the spirit, church. Amen. So the dead don't praise him. I don't want to be in that category, man. I want to be alive unto God. Because if I get to, you know, if I'm dead here and I get to heaven, I'm not going to like it there because it's a loud place. It's a get-with-it place in heaven, man. And we're just, what we're doing right now, we're in this world getting ready and getting prepared to do what we're going to do in heaven. And you read the Bible, the book of Revelation, and you read about the songs that are taking place in heaven and the worship and the loudness that's there. That's the way heaven's going to be. If you like it quiet, sedated, dead and dry, you're not going to like it in heaven because heaven's not like that. Heaven is alive, praise God. 
In fact, from the throne, the Bible says, a voice comes and says, Worship God, all ye His people. Hmm. Amen. So it doesn't matter how shy you are, how bashful you are, because when God, when you get full of God, that fullness of God's going to overpower all of that other stuff you talk about. Amen. Oh my, I went off a long ways from where I wanted to go, but I, I, we need that because it demonstrates our priorities in our life, and it shows us if we are dead unto God or alive unto God. Amen. You're at a church right now. Man, you can worship the Lord. You can shout. You need to shout. Man, I need to shout. I, in order to be victorious over the things that we're battling against, we've got to praise God. We've got to worship. We don't. We get to. That's where our victory comes. I told my wife, I said, yeah, one sister came to me one day. And she said, how in the world can these people not worship God? She said, I'm fighting so many battles, I don't understand. Every time I come to church, i got to get with it because I'm fighting so many battles. Everything must be pretty good in their life because I never see them worshiping. And I said, sister, look at this preacher. I'm in the same boat you're in. I've got to praise and worship God because I'm battling, I'm fighting, I'm struggling. I can't leave church half dead. I've got to get life while I can. I'm fighting too many battles. My soul is at stake. The devil's after me to destroy me. This world is tempting me. Amen? But greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. But it's who are you yielding your life to and who is your master controlling you? That's the key. Hmm. Listen to me. I want to show you something. <clears throat> if a person is walking in the carnal, you're never going to find them hardly at church. You know why? Because when they get church, when they get to church, the Word's going to convict them. And the Word's going to deal with their life. And the spirit man is going to say, Lord, it don't make me feel too good. It puts me under conviction. But Lord, let me hear something that's going to shake me. Let me hear something that's going to stir me. Let me hear something that's going to cause me to live right, God. That's the spirit man. But the carnal man comes to church and the conviction comes. and Their life begins to be dealt with by the Holy Ghost and the Word of God. And so you know what they're going to do? They're going to, if they're going to walk in the flesh, they're going to say, Oh, I'm not going back to church. Because every time I go to church, I get under conviction and I don't feel too good. And you're walking in the flesh. Walking in the carnal way. Amen? Praise the Lord. The Bible says this, Because the carnal mind is empty against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. The flesh doesn't want to submit to God. Only your spirit does. And the scripture says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwelleth. Who's, who's in us? If you got the Holy Ghost in you, who's in you? The spirit of God. Joel says, I'm going to pour out my spirit, God. Thus saith the Lord. God said he's going to pour out his spirit. The Holy Ghost, I don't know why I'm keeping getting on to this, but the Holy Ghost is not the third person in the Trinity. The Holy Ghost is God. The Holy Ghost is the spirit of God. God said, when I got filled with the Holy Ghost, I got filled with God. Not the third person. Amen. Praise the Lord. 
He said, if the Spirit of God dwell in you, now, look at this. Now he says, now if any man have the Spirit, all capitalized, Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Spirit of God, Spirit of Christ, same one, because there's only one. Well, Ephesians 4 says one Spirit. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one Spirit. Ephesians 4. So I've got the Spirit of God in me. I've got the Spirit of Christ in me because there's only one Spirit. But he says, if you do not have the Spirit of Christ in you, then you are not His child. That's what God says. We were talking about, you know, this funeral took place over the weekend, you know. Uh, this person that's well known. You know what the key, the whole thing is in, in this is Jesus said, you must be born again of water and the Spirit. When I first said, well, I, well, I wonder if she was right with God. I wonder if just before she died, if she got right with God. Well, you don't get right with God just before you die. You get right with God before, a long time before death. And Jesus said, unless you're born again of the water and spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now you think about that. Amen. And I, and I mourn and I weep with this situation. I think it's very, very sad. But, and, and God only knows where these people are. But Jesus said, you must be born again of the water and the spirit. He said, that if the spirit of Christ is not in you, if you've not been born of the spirit, you are not his. You may be on your way. You may have repented of your sins. You may have been baptized in Jesus' name. But if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you are not God's child. You must be filled with the Spirit of God. Becoming religious don't save you. And going to church don't save you. Being born again saves you. Praise the Lord. Oh, Lord. Man, I don't know when I'm ever going to get a chance to preach this, but God is putting in my heart the area of the Word of God concerning mixture. In the church of God right now, there is mixture. There are those, oh, genuinely live, those that are genuinely live unto God and those that are not. And that, the problem is not those who are genuinely live unto God, but those who are not genuinely alive unto God that come to church. That's where the problem is in the church, the mixture. And I'm, I'll, when, I don't know when the Lord's, I'm going to preach it, but I'm going to preach it. And it's biblical. Because God talks about a harvest in the last days of people, mixture. Those that are His and those that are not His. Amen. There's a harvest that's going to take place. And He says, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. So, born again of the Spirit, yeah. But my body is subject to death because I've got a sin nature in there too. Do you hear that? Listen. When God came inside of you and me, if you've got the Holy Ghost this morning, when he came inside of you, he did not regenerate your mind. He did not give you a, a, a regenerated mind, a brand new mind. He regenerated your spirit. Your spirit. 
And the scripture says in Romans 12 that you have to renew your mind. You didn't get a brand new one. You have to renew it. Y'all with me so far? So in my, inside of me there is a nature, a sinful nature that will cause my body to die if Jesus doesn't come. That's the reason for death is because of sin. Do you follow me? Okay, hang on. The Bible says this, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh. Now, let me back up. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. And I know that's talking about the resurrection of the dead, but He can also quicken you while you're alive. If He can get you up out of the grave when you're asleep... them up and they're in the graves he can get people in the church fired up and full and ready to fight yeah I we sit there I believe in the resurrection of God I believe his power to get me out of the grave but he don't have enough power to get me out of my pew I always wondered if God didn't have enough power to move me in church, if He had enough power to, if there was enough power in me to get me out of a grave. Come on, church. I love you. I wouldn't talk to you like, I mean, I'm not talking down to you. I'm just giving truth to you. He says He will quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. We don't owe the flesh one solitary thing. Do you hear what the Bible says? We don't owe the flesh anything. Amen. Whoa. Praise the Lord. Some people say, well, it, it doesn't hurt to sin a little bit every once in a while. Oh, not according to the Word of God. The Bible says you don't know the flesh nothing, absolutely nothing. Amen? For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do kill the deeds of the body, you shall live. Now, you got to hear me here. The Spirit of God is going to... It's going to kill my sinful desires and passions the Spirit of God brings life it brings power it brings healing it brings joy it brings deliverance but before God can bring all of that blessing to you and me he has to slay the old nature and the Spirit is in me boy it's killing that old nature it's fighting that old nature. And when God finally wins out, then all the blessings start coming my way. But, whoo, for a while there, I feel like I'm dying, man. I feel like, what's happening in me, God? And God's Spirit is working in me, slaying the old man. 
You see the Spirit of God come on men in the Old Testament. They went and defeated the enemies of God by the Spirit anointing on them. And that's a picture of God's Spirit coming on us to slay the natural man. So there's times in your life and in my life, I don't even know what's going on in my life. I, it's God killing some things in my life that He doesn't want there. Convicting me, dealing with my life. And I'm saying, oh God, you're not really talking to me. That's the devil. Amen? No, I'm the only one that's ever happened to, right? God said, yeah, give this up. And I say, mm, that's got to be the devil. Amen? It's God. I knew it's God. I just didn't want to give it up. Praise the Lord. That's the Spirit. And we like to jump. We like to shout. And that's part of it. But there's times when the Holy Ghost is dealing with us. And He's slaying some things in our life. Mm. And I can run from that and not ever come back. Or I can stay in there and let God, okay, God, finish your work. For as many, listen, as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Controlled by the Spirit, led by the Spirit. Not just, not those, he doesn't say there, those that have been born of the Spirit are the sons of God. He doesn't say that. He says as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. If you're not led by the Spirit, are you a son of God? Hmm. Am I led by the Spirit of God this morning? It is those that are led by the Spirit that are sons of God. People say, well, I was born of the Spirit 25 years ago and never stepped foot back in church again. I question your salvation. Praise the Lord. Because you have to be led by the Spirit of God and then you're the sons of God. Verse 15, for you have not received... The spirit of adoption again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Anybody out there got the spirit of God in them? He said, we not, when you got the spirit of God, he didn't come to give you, bring you under bondage. He came to set you free. He didn't come to save us in our sin. He came to save us from our sin. He came to set me free. Give me victory over the flesh and its sinful desires. Give me the victory over the soulless realm and to be controlled by what is important to God and have the priorities in my life right. God priorities. That's why He came. He came to set me free so I could serve Him and get my priorities right. Amen. Somebody say praise the Lord. We have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. It's a, we are so close to the Lord. We call him Father. Abba, it's a word that we, they use then that we use now. Daddy, we call him Daddy. We call him Father. Intimate relationship with God. But we are adopted into his family. Amen? What in the world does that mean? Now, all of a sudden, he's talking about being led by the Spirit, not being controlled by the carnal man, but being controlled by the Spirit of God so you can have life and peace. And then all of a sudden, he jumps into adoption. And he said, we're no longer under bondage. That means we're free in, in the Spirit to walk with God, to walk victoriously. But look at this. Adoption. 
He's writing to the church in Rome. In order to have a, a Roman adoption, we're talking about some heavy stuff. How many of y'all have ever adopted anybody from another family into your family? Adoption in the Roman sense of things was very difficult to do. In fact, if one family wanted to adopt a son from another family, they would sell that or uh, yeah, give that person to the other family three times. Two times that old family would buy that person back. But the third time that person stayed in the adopted family now and he could not be bought back. It was a ceremony they went through to show you how difficult it was to get out of one family into another family. Now, when you were in the old family, look, you were, let's say you're an adopted person, you lost all rights to your old family. You got a new father. You have rights as a son. You're heir of the father's estate. The old life is completely wiped out. All debts are canceled. You're the absolute possession of the new father in the presence of seven witnesses. Now listen, you and I had a father and his name was the devil. And the sin nature was controlling me. He was my master. But I wanted to get out of that family. So I was once controlled by the sin nature. I was lost. I had debt, lost, poverty, debt laden. And now I'm God's. He owns me. The old life has no rights over me now. Past debts are canceled and a new life I have in God. And I'm heir to all His resources. That's what I have in adoption. So the old man, the old nature, and the devil doesn't control me anymore. He's no longer my master. I belong to God. He owns me. The old master, the first father, had absolute control over that son. And if he decided one day that his son deserved to die, then he just said the word, son deserves to die, and they would take that son out and they would kill him. But when you moved into the new family, you became the possession of the Father. And that means you belong to God. And I belong to God. I don't belong to myself anymore. I'm His. He's mine. I'm adopted and I cry. I say, here my Father now, Lord. Hallelujah. This gets into covenant. I don't have time to deal with the covenant of God. But everything that I have is His, and everything that is His is mine, is what He's saying there. And I'm a joint heir. Joint heir with Jesus Christ. That means everything that He has, and He has, He's going to have everything, is also mine. And the old man, the old master, don't call the shots anymore. The devil don't call the shots in my life anymore. Jesus Christ calls the shots. And all I have to do is obey. Amen. Praise the Lord. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. Anybody in here feel like you're a child of God? Let me, let me rephrase that. Got to get away from this feeling thing. There's times you're not going to feel like a child of God. But if you've been born of the Spirit, you are a child of God because the Spirit of God bears witness in you that you're His. Amen. 
How wonderful it is to know that God is my Father, God Himself, and I'm a son of the living God. I am His offspring. I'm in His family. I'm His child. He's going to bless me. He's going to help me. Everything that He has is available to me. He said, what do you need today? I'll give it to you. I'll help. You need strength. I'll give it to you. Amen. The Bible says, David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Never. If you came to be a child of God, God eventually is going to turn it around for you. Do you hear what I'm saying? You might be going through it right now. And you might have some tremendous needs right now. But it's not going to stay that way if you keep walking with God. Because just like Abraham was committed to God and loyal to God, God turned around and said, Okay, Abraham, you're loyal to me. Now I'm going to be loyal to you. And if you're loyal to God, God's going to turn it around sometime. Just don't give up in the midst of the battle. Listen, everybody here goes through trials. The problem is not going through trials. It's getting stuck in them. As long as you're moving through them, you're okay. But it's when you get stuck in them, that's where the problem is. Understand that God is taking you through the problem. You're not, just don't get stuck there. That's the temptation. The enemy wants me to get stuck here. He wants me to get stuck in despair, stuck in discouragement. Make me give up. Try to make me give up. My emotions don't feel good, but I'm going through. I'm, I'm going to move because God is faithful. As long as I'm loyal to Him, He's going to be loyal to me. And whatever I need, He's able to give it to me because I'm the heir to all His riches. I'm a child of the King. He owns it all. Have a good friend. He'd go in a restaurant and he said, my, my father owns this place. You better treat me good. My daddy, oh, the, you know, can you imagine what a waitress would think? Your dad owns the place? Oh, roll out the red carpet, man. But he wasn't talking in a literal way. His dad don't own, didn't own that restaurant. He's talking about God because God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns it all. I'm a child of the king. You might be going through some trials right now, but do that. Go through them. God didn't promise us it was going to be uh, wonderful all the way. In fact, as I go further through, you're going to see the pain and the anguish, the anguish that this world is in and that you're in and the battle that you're fighting and the battle that the world's fighting. You're going to see it's there, it's there, it's there. But we've got something in us. It's called the Spirit of the living God that will take us through every problem. From eternity past. Really, no, there's no past in eternity. Eternity to eternity. Hallelujah. My goodness, why would I want to go back into bondage and be controlled by the flesh again? When I can walk and serve in obedience to God and everything that's His is mine. Amen. That'd be like if I was in a family and it was so poor. Didn't hardly ever have anything to eat. And all of a sudden, 
Somebody comes to my house, knocks on the door, said, I want to adopt you into my family. I'm a millionaire. I live in a palace. I live in a big mansion. Would you like to be my son? Well, if it's okay with dad and mom. Sure. Amen. And he, that rich millionaire adopts me into his family, man. And I walk in there and I sit down at the banquet table and I have servants waiting on me. And all his millions are mine. I can go out and buy me a Mercedes or a BMW or whatever. I don't know whatever I want. I can just get it. But before, I couldn't even hardly get enough food to eat. And now I got wealth and riches untold. And that's what God is saying. When you walk in the Spirit, you've got riches and wealth untold. You're now in the family of God. And you have His riches and His wealth. Why would you want to go back home where you're struggling? And your daddy's a mean daddy. And your daddy comes down with a rod. And he's always beating on you. And he's always hitting on you. And he's always causing you problems. And kicking you out of the house. And not feeding you anything. Why would you want to go back home to that bondage? When you can be free in Christ. Listen to me. You go back out in the world. You're going to have problems. Worse problems than you got right now. But you get in the house of God. And you serve God. And you be loyal to God. God is going to be there to help you when you do have your problems. I've got my problems. I've got my struggles. We all do. But I'm in a place where God can help me, where I can get what I need. Out there, you're just in bondage. You're a slave again to the things of the world. You're a slave to your flesh. You're a slave to the devil. And he's a hard taskmaster. Why do you want to go back into bondage when you can be a walking in the... Things of the family of God. That's what he's saying in this verse. Oh, man. Thank God I feel good, don't you? I'm glad I know Jesus. <clears throat> and if children and heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ, if so be that, that, listen, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. He said, you'll be a joint heir with Christ as long as you are willing to suffer with Him. He suffered, friend. He went to cross. He died. He suffered. How many of y'all ever suffered living for Jesus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody here goes through trials and battles. But he said, if you're willing to suffer with Him, then you shall be a joint heir with Christ. And not only that, glorified. Let me explain something to you. Before there can be a resurrection, there must be a what? A death. Amen? Before there can be a resurrection, there must be a death. And there must be a burial. And then resurrection. And then glorification. Amen? Death, burial, resurrection, glorification. Brand new body. And the body right now, and you got a sin nature in you just like I do that's fighting and battling all the time against the things of God, trying to suppress the things of God. Someday this body's going to lose that old nature, and I'm going to have a glorified body like Jesus Christ. So right now I'm going to suffer. I'm going to struggle because there's a war that's taking place on the inside of me for supremacy. And God's Spirit wants to be supreme. He wants to be master. But my flesh is raging, and it wants to be king. It wants to call the shots. But if I'll suffer and say, God, I submit it to you 
and I'm willing to suffer until I'm made what you want me to be, then I'll be glorified. Mm. Listen to me. The Spirit of God gave me this word the other night. Moses, the Bible says, was willing to suffer the afflictions with the people of God than to be the heir of the throne of Egypt. Why? Because he had looked through life and he saw the eternal reward. Are you willing right now, listen to me, to suffer with the people of God? Are you willing to be afflicted? Amen? The Bible says there's glory that's coming if you are. Hallelujah. Hey, look at this. Look at this. Verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now, who's writing this? It's not me. In Odessa, Texas, in America, a free country, where we can come to church and we got air conditioner, you know, we can get comfortable and everything's, you know, pretty well okay. No, I'm not writing that. Paul's writing that in Corinth. He is being persecuted. He's going through battles. Look at 2 Corinthians and look at everything that he went through. Look at all the pain, the agony, the suffering. He was even left for dead in one place in his life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He suffered, 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 suffered for Christ. And he said, if I take all the sufferings that I've gone through, he said, they're not even worth it. You can't even compare these with what's coming. Amen? He said, for I reckon. He doesn't say, I think. Amen? He doesn't say, I know. He says, I reckon. He doesn't say, I think this, or I know, because he doesn't know about it, yet he's still suffering. Paul is still suffering. So he doesn't know about it yet. He doesn't say, I think it's going to happen. He says, I reckon. That means, those are words of faith. Those are words of faith. When you're suffering and you're going through battle, you say, I reckon. I reckon. Those are words of faith. Don't say, I think. I do. I say, I think a lot. But I'm going to start saying, I reckon. Those are words of faith. And there's some things I can't say that I know anything about because I haven't experienced them. But I reckon. Amen. Glory to God. I want to talk words of faith. I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. Even the creation itself is groaning. Do you believe that? Look at all the pain. Look at the funeral service that you maybe witnessed to and saw. Look at the millions that were there in Hyde Park. They're giving, you know, and weeping and moaning and groaning over the death of a person. Look at the millions that line the streets. Look at the suffering and the agony and the anguish that's in our world today. Look in your own family. Look in your own life. Look at your friends. Look at the turmoil that's in the world today. Even the earth itself is convulsing. It's groaning. The earth is. Volcanoes all over the place. Earthquakes in diverse places. Tornadoes. 
Why do we have an increase in all of this? Because the earth is groaning. It can't wait till deliverance comes. It can't wait till the children of God have glorified bodies so the curse can be lifted off of the earth. So the earth itself is groaning. And he says, the earnest expectation of creation waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. You know what that literally means? It means that the earth itself is like somebody earnestly They've got their hand over their head. They're looking to the horizon for the rising of the sun. They're looking for the dawn to come. That's where I am right now, friend. Are you there? I can't wait till that day comes. I'm looking for Jesus to come. I've got an expectation. I'm looking for the day when I'm going to have a glorified body and that old sin nature leaves me. I'm growing. I'm suffering. I'm in anguish at times. So I can't wait. I'm looking for the day. And the Bible said the whole creation's like that, man. They're like a person with their hand over their head. Looking for that day. Amen. I'm going to have to stop. I'm not, I wanted to preach this whole thing. It says, verse 20, For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Someday the curse is going to be lifted off this earth and there's going to be liberty once again. Notice it says, the liberty of the children of God. Someday total freedom. For you know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. There's sin, there's sickness, there's disease, there's pain, there's death, there's tears, there's groaning, there's anguish, tornadoes, as I said, hurricanes, all of these things. Thus, the, the creation of God groaning, looking for a better day. And not only they, but ourselves. Are you, do you find yourself there? Come on, we're getting down to reality here. Reality is that you are groaning on a daily basis to be delivered and set free from the things that you battle against. But there's a day coming. And he says, we have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves. We've got the Holy Ghost. That's the first fruits. That's the down payment of that which is to come. Oh, I've just tasted of the worlds to come. I've had the heavenly gift. Hallelujah. Every once in a while, in my pain, in my anguish, I come to church. And all of a sudden, I start feeling a little bit of joy rise up back in my heart. I just get a little bit of victory one more time. I taste the Holy Ghost power moving me. I get the strength that I need that I don't have. And I'm thinking, Jesus, that's what heaven's like. Oh, I've been suffering throughout the week, but I come to church and I get a little bit of heavenly joy. I get a little bit of heavenly happiness. I get a little bit of victory in my soul. And I say, oh, that's just the down payment, God, of eternal bliss, eternal joy, eternal happiness, eternal freedom, eternal victory. And do I need it? Do I need it? And the church needs it. You need it. But it, we, you have it. You have it. Do you hear what I'm saying? You have it. Him. We have Him. Got the Spirit of God in us. And we're tasting the world to come. But in the, time, in the meanwhile, suffering at times. And He says, 
We are waiting for the adoption to with the redemption of our body. Say, I don't have a regenerated body. I renew my mind. I've got a regenerated spirit. But there's come a day when this purchased body will be possessed by God. Mm. Amen? It will be possessed. Verse 24, for we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for it? You will wait patiently for what you don't have that is promised to you. Amen? If you don't see it yet, but it's been promised to you, you'll suffer. Amen? You go through trials and testing and persecution. You'll be patient through all of that because you know it's promised to you. It's promised to me. I'm going to make it, church. I'm going to make it. Because I've got a hope. I don't have it right now. I have a hope. It's promised to me. So I'm going to wait patiently till it gets here. Amen? The last thing I want to point out to you... It says, verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Anybody here ever had any infirmities? That means weaknesses. Not physical. He's not talking so much about physical weakness here. He's talking about spiritual weaknesses. He said, the Spirit helpeth our infirmities, our spiritual weaknesses. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. We don't know how to pray sometimes. We don't know what the future holds. We don't know what to say. We've got weakness and we know it. So we just get in a place and we start praying till, the, till we start speaking in tongues. Till we start praying in the Spirit. And sometimes you feel like just groaning and agony and anguish. That's the groaning of the Spirit, Sister Margie. When you stand there and you say, I'm paddling, I'm struggling. I'm, that's groanings in the Spirit that God hears. And sometimes you can't even put it in words. It's so painful. But God is moving through you by His Spirit. And He's praying with these groanings because He knows what the will of the Spirit it is he knows what's best for you he knows what the future holds for you I don't know what's best for me I don't know what the future holds but he does he's got a plan he's got a purpose so he'll pray through me so that that purpose and that plan can be fulfilled so what's best for me will happen so that's why I need to pray in the spirit at times Sometimes just lay and cry and groan. Can't even put it in words. The Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings. Groanings. Which cannot be uttered. Thank you, Jesus. You have spiritual weaknesses right now? You have tendencies you want to live a certain way you want to live victorious and you have tendencies of being weak in certain areas the spirit can come and overcome those weaknesses in your life that's the hope you have scars on the inside of your soul today you have scars in your emotions 
You have scars on your soul. The Bible says the Holy Ghost can come, rise up in you. And through prayer and groanings, those scars can be tended to. And He can heal those emotional scars that you have. Amen. He that, know, he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Amen. Now I'm going to briefly touch on this, and I'm going to stop and come back to it next week. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. All things work together, good and bad, work together for the good. Right? To them that love God to them that are called according to his purpose now some people in the world quote that scripture all things work together for the good but they can't quote that verse because only those that love God and are walking according to his purpose can quote that verse but if you love God and you're walking according to his purpose he's gonna make doesn't say all things are he's gonna make all things work together for the good Oh my, sometimes I throw up my hands and say, God, I don't know how you're going to do this. How are you going to be able to make all things work together for the good in this situation, God? Ah, it's beyond me. But he said he will. So, God, here I am. I believe to see it, God. And I, with, I patiently wait in that hope. Amen. For whom he did foreknew, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. And that's where I'm going to stop today. But I want you to notice the process of God. It goes from eternity to eternity. It says that he foreknew you. He foreknew me. And he, before I was ever born, he knew me. In his, in his foreknowledge... In his infinite wisdom, he knew that Adam would fall in the garden and sin against him. But in his wisdom and in his plan, he made a way of salvation. Jesus, the Bible says, was slain before the foundation of the world. Before the world was ever created. Before Adam ever sinned. Jesus, in the mind of God, died for the world. He foreknew. He had a plan. And that plan was salvation by the blood of Jesus. Amen? And he foreknew that you would be saved if he did that. Then he says, those he foreknew, he predestinated. But what did he predestinate you and me to become? Oh, come on, church. Are you with me today? Your emotions don't feel good right now. But I'm telling you, God has a plan for us. Before you were ever born, he had a plan of salvation. So that you could be saved. And now he's predestined us. That doesn't mean predestined you to heaven or hell. There's no such thing as God predestined a person before they're born to go to hell. It's not what that's talking about. He has a plan of salvation. He predestined the church to be his victorious people. That would be conformed into the very image of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that today? Do you believe He had a plan to die for you? 
Do you believe that he had a plan for this church? So all you got to do is get in the church which he has already foreknew and planned to be victorious. And if I'll just get in the church, I'm automatically going to make it. Because he's predestined us. Let me read on. He predestinated us to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be foreborn, the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, he did call. Sounds like God's in control here. Are you reading with me there? Them he also called. So he's got a plan. He's predestined that plan to be ultimately the people in that to be conformed into his image. And then he called you to what? To simply submit to that plan. Submit to his plan. Be a part of his plan. Once you've done that, you've submitted to his plan, you've, he, you've call, he's called you. And then the scripture says, Them he also justified. That means he made me right. Because I submitted to his plan. Then he made me right with God. And then he said, Them he justified, he also glorified. Now, come on, you got to get with me on this. He already provided the, my, the way for salvation. He pre predestinated the church to be victorious. Then he called me to be a part of that. And when I submitted to his plan, then I became a part of something that cannot be defeated. And then he says that he justified me he made me right in his eyes and then he said he glorified me now listen I have been foreknown predestinated called justified I'm there right now you hear me you've already gone through those previous steps you're there right now if you're a child of God then he said then be justified, he glorified. Now, if I've already gone through those other steps that he determined beforehand, then why do I not think that I'm going to also automatically, it just is, it's just as good as done. My glorification is just as good as done. If I'm a part of his church, I'm going to be glorified. I'm going to get a resurrection body just like Jesus Christ. It's just as good as done. Amen? Well, you're tired. I'll put you to sleep this morning. I did my job. Next week we'll finish. But I'm so glad I'm a part of something that is, is victorious. Victorious. Amen. And as long, all I have to do is walk in the Spirit. If I walk in the Spirit, you're going to see me glorified. I'm going to have a resurrection body. It's as good as done. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, I thank you today, God, that you give us hope. 
Hallelujah. In this world. <laughs> that the present sufferings God cannot even be compared with the glory that is to come. If we be willing to suffer with you, God, we shall be glorified. Lord, we thank you today that we can call you ours, our Father. And that you call us your own. Thank you, God, from eternity to eternity, you have a plan. And all I have to do is get in harmony with you, God, and I will be there. You're not willing that any should perish, God, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved. Thank you for the glorious hope, God, that you've given us. Ultimate, total liberation and freedom, God, from the pains of death. Resurrection power by your Spirit who dwells in us even if we die. Glorification to follow. And Lord, when we're heavy, God, you're there to lift us up. And nothing shall be able to separate us from your love. Nothing, God. In the name of Jesus. Lord, right now, God, you hear the wailing and the groaning and the weeping of your people. You heard it in the time of the Egyptian captivity where heavy bondage and slavery was there. You heard your people, they're groaning deep within them, God. Their sign, their heaviness. You hear that of your church today, O oh God, and you have come in this place, God, by your mighty spirit and power. To intercede by your spirit, God, to help our infirmities, Lord, to give us victory over our weaknesses, God, to heal our scars in our emotions, God. You are the paraclete. You are the Holy Ghost. One called alongside God to be a helper. You know, God, what your church is going through right now. You know what each individual is, is battling in the inside of them, God. Untold struggle. Lord God, I just pray right now, God, the groans which cannot be uttered, Lord, that is taking place within us, God the sighing and the crying and the heaviness and the weeping, God. Lord, I know right now in the name of Jesus Christ, I feel that pain. I feel that anguish. I feel that weeping. I feel that heaviness. I feel that wailing, God. Groaning, God. Groaning, God. Groaning. Lord, we with patience wait. We endure. We suffer willingly, God, those things we need to suffer, God. We with earnest expectation lift our hands to our head looking for a better day. In Jesus' precious name. 
Let us walk and yield ourselves, God, to you and your plan and your purpose and your destiny in the name of Jesus Christ. Submitting ourselves to you right now, God, our emotions, our past, our present, our future is in your hands, God. Minister healing right now, I pray, God. Heal the brokenhearted, Lord Jesus. I pray, minister healing, Lord. If we have sinned against you, O oh God, I ask you to cleanse us with your precious blood. Cleanse us, forgive us, God. Lord God, as you mortify the deeds of the flesh by the Holy Ghost, God, Oh, have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way, Lord. Mm. That we might have your blessing. That we might have your approval. That we might please you, O God, I pray. Let the Holy Ghost be in us, God, in such a way that it will change our lives. Oh, God, we need to be changed. God. Oh, change me, Lord, change Change. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name.